All right. Well, happy Easter. Nobody wore a big hat today. Come on. Like, I was waiting. For, I was waiting for somebody to wear a big purple hat or something like that. Um, so, no, no, we're we're good. We're good. Um, you guys are crazy today. All right. So, Easter. Easter is our day. It is bigger than the Super Bowl. Bigger than NASCAR, bigger than opening day of gun season in this county. First day of summer break, it's bigger than that. It's bigger than anything else. It's the biggest day in history because of what Jesus did for mankind. Our creator sent us a gift in the form of Jesus. Saying, you know what, hey, you sinned against me, but I love you so much, I'm going to send you a gift to create a, as a peace offering between us. So you can... See how much I love you. How many of you guys would give a gift of the firstborn child to your enemy? No, you'd probably want to slap him in the face and say, hey, you can't have this. But God sent his firstborn, his only son, to come as a gift for us. He's saying, you know, I don't care what you've done, when you've done it, and who will do it a thousand years, two thousand years from now. He goes, I'm going to give this gift as a permanent offering for sin something to wipe sin completely off of the map so i was i was thinking about what i wanted to talk about again we're going to talk about we know it's easter so we're going to talk about that but i was thinking where where do i want to take this where do i want to go and god brought three three uh, parts of jesus's life and ministry to my mind and the first one starts in matthew 22 or excuse me matthew 20 22 and his disciples, we all know that they were knuckleheads. Um, they tended to argue about who was the coolest and who was the best and who got to sit with him next to the father on the right hand. And, he, you know, it's like, do I have to send my mom to you to beg her to, you know, have her beg so I can sit next to you? And Jesus says this to his disciples. And he says in verse 22 of Matthew 20, he says, Jesus answered them and said, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm going to drink? They said to him, we are able. Jesus is asking them, can you take on what I'm going to take on? Can you drink of the cup that I'm going to take on? And they think, well, you know, he's just going to rise into power and Jesus is going to, you know, take over and he's going to set up his kingdom here in, in Jerusalem and, and everything's going to be good and, he, and the Romans are going to be cast out. But Jesus is saying to them, he goes, you don't know what I'm going to do. That's why he asked them. He didn't say, hey, can you be beat, whipped, mocked, rejected, put on a cross? He didn't ask them that because they, if he explained that to them, they wouldn't know what to say. He, they knew what the Old Testament said, but he said, can you take this cup? And they're like, yes. And later on in that scripture, he goes, you will drink of that cup but not, not, the, not this time. This is my cup for me to drink from. This is my job to fulfill, or this is my thing to fulfill. He's asking them, can you suffer the way I'm going to suffer? Can you be rejected the way I'm going to be rejected? Everybody in, in our lifetime has been rejected by one thing or the other, one person or another. But Jesus was rejected by everything in the universe. 
Every man, every woman, every child, even his father rejected him so he could become sin for us. He's telling his disciples that what I'm going to do is so much greater than you can even think or imagine that you cannot take on what I'm going to do. He, he's, he's trying to explain to them in, the, in their simple minds of, of Jesus being fully man and fully God and saying, I know what's going to come because I've already written it in the history books. I know what I'm going to do. I know exactly what's going to happen to me. Every, every uh, person, every, every thing that's going to happen to me, I've seen it. You know, it talks about that they hid their face from Jesus when they beat him. The, the, um, the Pharisees and some of the religious leaders, they would cover their face and go up and punch him. And they, and they said to him, they said, who prophesy who punched you or who, who, uh, who beat you? And he's like, you know what? He remained silent. He didn't have to say that. He knew who they were. He was God. They thought he was just a man who was just incredibly prideful and incredibly arrogant to call himself the son of God. And they said, prophesy who beat you, who punched you in the face. And he didn't. He didn't say a word to them. But we don't... I think we, we, when we worship God and when we start to read the Gospels and we read uh, about His uh, crucifixion, we, we, we see aspects of it. Anybody, everybody's pretty much seen The Passion of the Christ. That movie is um, it, very, very graphic in depicting um, what Jesus went through. I still don't think it was anywhere close to what He went through. Um, but it, it's the closest thing that we can, I, I believe, come to understand of what He went through and how he suffered on that cross for us. Um, and it's so graphic that sometimes I watch it and I can't. I can't watch certain parts of it because I watch his, his expressions and, and, and his, his, um, his face when, when things are being um, done to him, when he's being whipped and when he's being beaten and when, he's, he's, when they are doing the things that they did to him. I watch the expression on his face and there's sometimes I just can't. I have to move on to the next spot of it because it tears at me so hard because I, I start to realize in a, in a, I believe that really only shows about 10 to 15% of what Jesus actually went through in his life and, and through, his, through his suffering before the cross. And one of the scenes in that um, movie is where he's in the garden and he's praying. And I was reading this, I was, I was kind of watching, the, I was watching it on YouTube and kind of reading along in, in the scripture with him. And, and one of the things that God really stuck out to me was when he was in the garden. He asked his disciples, come with me and pray with me. And, and he says, you wait here, I'm going up to pray. And he leaves them sitting by a, a tree or a little area. And he says, pray with me for one hour, pray with me. And, and he goes up and he, in, in, uh, Mark 14, 36, and I'm reading from the Amplified, he, said, and he went up and he says, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup of judgment away from me, but not what I will, but what you will. And, and it made me start to, to think about this. The word Abba, Father, we use that, uh, we use that term in church. We use that, that, 
the word Abba as, as um, another word just for father, and you see it in the Bible. But it, wasn't, it was a term that wasn't used in, in, in the synagogues and in the churches. It was used as a man or as a, 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 a child talking to their father. It'd be like my kids coming up to me and say, Abba, Father, I need something to eat. I, and I don't ever expect them to do that. But it, it made me start to, to look at that. The, the relationship with Jesus and his father was so bonded and so and he knew who his father was. It wasn't, this was something a blood child would say to their blood father. He, he, he cried out, Abba, Father. He goes, all things are possible for you. And he says, take this cup. And in the Amplified, it says, take this cup of judgment. Because when, I, when Jesus went up to pray, it said he was sweating blood. I believe the judgment of God was starting to be poured out on him. And he started to feel the wrath of God and started to feel the weight of the sin of, of, of man starting to come on him. Because you got to remember, he was 100% God and 100% man. And, and the physical body was starting to take a toll on what his spiritual, on the spiritual side of what Jesus was, was, was seeing and what he was feeling. I mean, you have to be under some great distress to start sweating blood. But Jesus cried out, Abba, Father. He had a familiar, a familiar relationship with his Father. He knew him in such a... a um, an intimate way that he actually said, let this cup pass from me. Let this judgment pass from me. He said, if, if you can do anything else, if you can do it any other way, let it pass from me. His human, the humanness of Jesus speaks in that moment, but then the God's, God part of him speaks and says, but it's not my will. It's not what I want, it's what, what you want. And if this is the only way for the wrath or for the, the sin of the world to be wiped out, then I'm willing to take it. I'm willing to take it no matter what you say, because it's not me, it's you who's in charge. He's communicating in such a way, this is not like a person praying. You know, we pray to God and we call him daddy, we call him father, we call him Abba, whatever. We but this, this is a son sitting before his father saying, it'd just be like Abraham and Isaac sitting there and Isaac is saying before they go up to the mountain, I know you're going to, to have to uh, murder me and kill me as a sacrifice, but if you can do anything else, if we can find something on the way up there, if we can take a, ra a ram and bring it up there with us, can it be anything else? This is a son, this is like, you're sitting next to your son saying, I have to kill you for, for something. And it's, it's not because of what you've done. And, he, and the son says, can you take this from me? I mean, he's sweating blood. I, I believe Jesus at this moment is, is seeking counsel from his father. He's seeking um, strength from his father as, a hum, as the human part of, of Jesus is, is crying out to his father. And he says, if you can take this judgment off me. I, I, we, we think of the pain that he suffered. We think of all the pain, but that was nothing compared to the judgment of, uh, and the wrath of God poured out on him for the sin of the world. Yes, he suffered as a, as a man and he suffered beaten and bruised and, and crown of thorns, but the judgment of God was so great upon him. The wrath of God poured out on him for our sin was so great that 
He started to sweat blood, and he cries out to his father. He goes, can you do this? Can you take this? Any other, any other plan but this? And God's like, I only have one plan. I don't have plan B. I have plan A, and that is you. But Jesus says, but if you say no to me, and you say that I'm the only way that is going to happen, then I will submit to your desire. I'll submit to your desire for me to go to this cross, for, for man to reject me, for you to reject me and, and push you. You guys ever felt like, man, I just feel like I'm far from God at that moment? You ever had that moment? I, I know we all have. We, I just don't feel like I'm connected with God at that moment. We've, we've had those doubts in our heart. But can you imagine actually being rejected by the Father? Not just, oh man, I feel like God, I'm so far from God, but God actually turning from you and letting all that fall on you. So his son is just under great distress. But he said, not my will. His will was to please the Father, even if it meant going to death. Even if it meant going to the cross and suffering for us. He said, you know what? You tell me I'm the only way this is going to happen and this is the only plan that you have and this is the only way that it, it's going to happen. I'm going to do it because I'm going to please my Father. I'm going to please my Father because He said He sent me for a purpose. Jesus knew the plans and purposes that God had for Him. Jesus had lo the love and vision that Jesus had for what would come made his death worth it to him. He knew what was going to happen. He knew what his death, burial, and resurrection would facilitate. And he said, you know what? I love them enough to do that. And then the, if you guys turn to Isaiah 53, this one is what really got me when I was, I was starting to read and I was watching him stand in, in, the, in the temple and they were questioning him. And they were asking him, are you the son of God? Are you the, the Messiah? And Jesus said, you said it, I didn't. In, in no uncertain terms, he basically said, you said it, I didn't. But he goes, you will see me seated at the right hand of the Father. So the, the, the religious leaders basically call him the son of God. And he's like, you said it, I didn't. And so in verse 53 says, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before it shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. They're questioning him. I mean, they're literally punching him in the face and questioning him. Are you the Son of God? Boom, beating him. Are you the Son of God? They're questioning him. They want him to condemn himself. They're waiting for him to say, yeah, I'm the Son of God. And then they can say, see? He's, a, he's full of blasphemy. He's a liar. Now we can put him to death. Jesus gave no reason for him to be put to death. Jesus did nothing wrong for him to be put to death. He remained silent because he would never try to defend himself when he willingly gave himself up. You know, we, we get accused of something. Nope, didn't do it. Nope, it wasn't me. I didn't do it. We, we defend ourselves because... It's naturally ingrained in us to defend ourselves. Even when we're wrong, sometimes it's like, ah. Uh, after you defend yourself, you're like, I, yeah, I was wrong. You guys ever had that conversation? You defend yourself and then you call them up and say, yeah, I was totally wrong about that. I'm sorry. 
Jesus is being accused of being the Messiah, claiming that he's the Messiah. He's being beaten. He's being mocked. He's, they're, they're taking pieces of his beard and ripping them out. And they say, say you're the Messiah. The guy's basically in his face saying, say you're the Messiah. I want to hear it from your lips. But he didn't defend himself. He didn't have anything to defend because he was innocent. He willingly gave himself up to die for us. He allowed them to, to beat him, spit on him, curse him, torture his body because he was innocent. He had done nothing wrong. He freely and willingly gave his life. People say he was murdered. No, you cannot murder a man who lays his life down. You cannot murder someone who gives their life freely. He gave his life as a substitute for us. So the wrath of God, the judgment of God, would be poured out on his shoulders, his back, his hands, his feet, his head, so we wouldn't have the wrath of God and the judgment of God. I look at that and it's like, how amazing that he could have, they were beating him and, and mocking him. He could have easily said, called angels down and they would have been dead. He could have called fire down from heaven and they, he would have, they would have been dead. But he stood there and didn't say a word. How hard would that be for us as humans to say, you know, no, 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 you stop. I, that, I didn't do that. I, I didn't say that. But he stood there, it says like a lamb led to the slaughter that didn't, you know, you guys ever seen watch sheep being shear and they're just throwing a, they're making noises everywhere and they, they, they want to be let go. And they are always moving. They have to tie their legs a lot of times to shear them. But Jesus just stands there and he doesn't even respond to his accusers. He doesn't respond to his, his captors, his tormentors, his, his crucifix, the people who crucified him. In the crucifixion, he knew what was going to happen. They knew what they were planning on doing. Like, we're going to crucify him. But he willingly walked into the slaughter. He willingly, he didn't, have, he didn't have to be forced. He basically said to his father, I'm willing to do this for you. Hebrews 12.2 says, Looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The joy that was set before him. That's a, that is a um, kind of a weird term to hear before or when it's uh, associated with the cross. The joy that was set before him. And I, w I was thinking about that. I'm like, God, why would he, the joy that was set before him. I was really starting to think about that. I'm like, you know, it, it, 
Paul talks about, he says, count it all joy when you fall into trials and, and tribulations and, and temptation. And I was thinking to myself, that's not the same though. I said, I was starting to, to look through different translations and try to, try to figure it out. And I mean, if you, if you think about it, yes, he knows what's going to happen, but he had joy for what he was going to do. He knew what was coming. And he, he counted it as joy. The joy that was set before him. Christ, he was our high priest and, our, and the uh, prophet. He knew what he was dying to do. He knew what his dying would do. Yet his death and burial and resurrection would pay for the redemption of every man by doing his father's will. It all came down to his father's will. His entire life was his father's will. He's in the temple and his mom's like, where have you been for like four days? We headed back home and you weren't there. He's like, woman, I was here. I was about my father's business. At a young age, he said, I'm about my father's business. Like if I was that age and I talked to my mom and said, woman, I'd get smacked. But (laughs) she knew who he was. He was the Christ. He was God incarnate. But his death, burial, and resurrection paid for every man by doing his Father's will. How amazing is that? That the Father said, hey, I need you to go die. And he's like, hey, I'll do it. He voluntarily did it. He disregarded the shame of crucifixion. Crucifixion was such a shameful way to die. If you were a Roman citizen, you could not be crucified. But if you were a non-Roman citizen, you could be crucified. And it was actually a joke. In Roman comedy, it was a joke and they would go, go to your bad cross. They, they would crucify people as a way of um, political shaming, as if there was an uprising, they would take prisoners and they would crucify them. And it was a joke to Romans. If this guy was being crucified, he, he was basically the worst of the worst. And, but it talks about how they mocked him from the cross. I mean, they, they basically said, hey, if you are Christ, come off of the cross. Physician, heal yourself. It was like they were, they were, they were mocking him because it was a joke to them. That some random guy who said he was the, the Christ, because there was people before him and people after him that said he was the, they were the Messiah come. And they're mocking him. They're rejecting him. But it says he disregarded the shame of, of the cross. He's like, I don't care. You guys ever had that? You know, you, you know you have to do something and you're like, you know it's right and you know you're supposed to do it and you're like, I don't care what people say about it. I don't care what people think about me. I'm going to do it because I know this is the will of God for my life. We're all here in this building because People said I was crazy. I might be a little crazy. My wife says I'm a little crazy every now and then, but you know what? I disregarded what people said. You don't, can't do this. You don't need to do this. You shouldn't do this. And I looked at him and I said, you know what? If you tell me no, I'm going to do it. <laughs> but you know what? I knew the will of the Father. So how much more did Jesus know the will of the Father being the Son of God, 
and is so willing to go to crucifixion, grow, go to the beating, the, the, the crown of thorns, and he's like, you know what? I don't care. I don't care what's going to happen to me because you know what? I'm disregarding it because I know what I'm doing is for a greater good. It says he disregarded the shame of crucifixion. It did not matter because he knew this was the only way for us to have a relationship with the creator of the universe. This was the only way for us to have a relationship with the Father who loves us enough to give up His Son for our lives. He was the Lamb that was slain, but He, is the, he was the risen King three days later. You know, we all read John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that no man should perish, but we should have eternal life. But think about this. John 15, 13. And you guys have probably read this too. It says, no greater love, no stronger commitment to anyone than to lay down his life for his friends. Jesus said, you're not my servants, you're not my slaves. He goes, I call you friend. My father calls you friend. You know, we, we, we think that Jesus' life was just about his death, burial, and resurrection of what it was going. But what did the angels say? I bring you good tidings of great joy. They were saying that the Father loves you and he sent the sacrifice. So 33 years from now, he's going to die for you. The shepherds that saw that, that heard that probably didn't see that. Maybe not have been alive to see Christ go. But Jesus died for them. The angels were announcing that there was a, a peace offering given, that the, the, the Father was sending a lamb to be slain for the sin of the world. One final sacrifice for the entire world so we didn't have to keep going every week, setting up the altar. Everybody, let's kill the animals. Let's pray that for one more week, God doesn't have anger against us. Can you imagine living that way? How much greater is it now to live in grace and being covered by the blood of Jesus than having to, every Passover, wipe our doorpost with blood and, and kill an animal so we have a grace to cover us? we can go to the Father immediately right now. We don't have to wait for the priest to come and to make sure that our animal is spotless and perfect because the spotless and perfect lamb was already slain. But it says no greater love or stronger commitment did Jesus have than to lay his life down for us. For the sin of the world was put on him, but he laid it down because he was so committed to the Father and to the plan the Father had that the Father was committed to us. We, you know, as a father, I am committed to my children. I love my children. But I can't imagine the Father in heaven sending down his son and saying, you know what, I'm so committed to these people that don't even know me, I'm willing to sacrifice that. 
the love of the Father towards us says while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Before we were born, Christ died for us. For the sin that we hadn't even committed yet. And I look at that and it's like, how great of a love does this, this God in heaven who, who, who calls us sons, calls us daughters now. He doesn't say, oh, you know, he says, my servants don't know what I'm doing, but my, my sons and my daughters do. He said, when you accept Jesus, he says, you know, when we, we, we call on God and say, you know, I can't do it anymore. I need you because I suck at life. I can't do it. I'm, I'm a horrible person without Jesus. I need that in my life. And when we call on God and we repent, he says, you know what? All who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jesus says, if any man come to the Father, he has to go through me. The only way we can get to God, the only way we can have that right relationship with God is through Jesus Christ. How amazing is his love for us? That while we were sinners, before we even sinned, he died for us. He saw each one of us. He said, you know what? I'm going to die for Matt. I'm going to die for Sarah. I'm going to die for everybody in this room because I love them even before they were born. 2,000 years ago, a God saw that far, our God saw that far into the future that he loved us so much that he was like, you know, I'm not just going to die for the sins of the world of everybody alive now. I'm going to die for everybody who is ever going to be born. But all they have to do is call on my name, repent from their sins. How great is the love of the Father for us? Let's pray.